I just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live. Hope you're doing well today. And, you know, i got to tell you, I'll be, I'll be traveling here fairly soon. Pretty soon. And, you know, I, I hope that the plane leaves on time. Uh, I mean, it'd be nice. I kind of hope it's not that crowded on the flight. I hope my luggage gets there. Uh, I hope it's a smooth flight. I hope they serve more than, than peanuts on this flight. It's usually what I get back in the, the, the bathroom section of Coach where I usually sit. And when I say that, you think about this word hope. It seems a little squishy. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, I, I wish, or it'd be nice if, or my preference would be. And that's the way we kind of use that that word. And then we, you know, we go to church and we say things like, I put my hope in God. And it kind of sounds a little weak, if you're honest. I mean, is there more to hope than just, it'd be nice, my preference, wishful thinking, you know? Well, I think today's guest would say a bit more. Uh, in fact, she writes about it in her latest book. It is called The Other Side of Hope. Looks just like that. The author is Danielle Strickland. And for her, and I believe she can help you with this as well, hope is a lot more. Something very meaningful. How do we get there? We're going to find out today. You're invited to be a part of the conversation. Chat is open if you're watching us live, if you're watching us in the replay please do leave a comment. I like to know that you were blessed by this. Um, if you haven't liked, shared, subscribed, followed, whatever, wherever you're watching, do that now. Danielle, great to have you on Life Today Live. Hey, great to be here. So when I show your book and say the other side of hope and kind of you know set it up the way I did, um, I'm, I'm kind of curious, what, what to you is the, what is hope and what's the other side of it? Yeah, I love the way you set it up because I, I do think that we've been confused and um, I don't know who to blame, like if it's Hallmark or if it's Disney, but um, somebody's it's somebody's fault that we've been uh, we've been convinced that hope is happy. Mm. Uh, it's optimistic. It's thinking happy thoughts. And as a direct result of that, we also think that sorrow is despair. And I think both of those are problematic. Hope is not happy. Hope is honest. And hope is not found uh, uh, outside of, uh, of sorrow. Hope is not found without difficulties or in perfect circumstances or in happy situations. Hope is found usually in the midst of difficulties, hmm. in the midst of dark circumstances. And that's, that's, that's a biblical witness of hope being this present activity of God in the midst of uh, difficult circumstances. So uh, hope is honest. And by that, I mean, it's, it's gritty. <laughs> it's, it's not soft. Uh, it's not wishful thinking. It's not optimism and it's not happy. Hope is honest, ruthlessly honest. And uh, I think if we could get there, uh, that would be a good start. So one, one word, uh, you said hope is not optimistic. Uh, and yet I have a hard time reconciling pessimism with hope. What exactly do you mean by that? Yeah, I would say that hope is not, like you were saying, wishful thinking. Okay. It's not just like an optimistic outcome because there are some situations where um, things aren't going to work out. Yeah. So hope isn't going like, I'm believing that this is going to work out no matter what. Hope is more like, you know, those three guys that were in the fiery furnace saying, I trust God. And even if these circumstances don't work out the way I want them to, I am still 
going to, uh, you know, center my life on the greater hope that is mine, which is in Christ. So I would say that's what I mean is optimism. It's positive in the sense that I believe, I think hope right. is this ruthless um, belief that God is redeeming things, that God is at work in the world, that God is at work in my life. Hope is this presence of that belief. But, um, but it's not that my circumstances will necessarily change or it's not rooted in things becoming easier or me avoiding difficulties or sorrow. I think a lot of people don't like hearing that. <laughs> Including me. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, really, a lot of, I, 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 would, I haven't done this. I'd love to see a scientific study. Uh, and if you, could, if you could catch people honestly. You go, what are most of your prayers? And I would say most of our prayers are, God, change my immediate circumstances that I don't like, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, but that's probably a little short-sighted. Uh, I, the hope that you're describing demands an eternal perspective in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. and, in, and, and an eternal presence, an opening. And I guess that's part of what I've discovered about hope, too, is hope is not a dead principle, that I adapt in my life. Hope is a living presence of the eternal God. So when you think about this, like uh, Paul says, you know, there's only three things in the, that will remain beyond this temporal world and it's faith, hope, and love. And so there's a sense in which I think, and I think this is why hope, when you do glimpse it, when you do encounter it, when you do have hope as a presence in your life, it's so powerful mm. because I think it's eternal. It's an eternal quality of God. God is our hope. God is our refuge. God is the presence of, in the midst of difficult things. So I think, I think when we hope, and that's even like even people who just glimpse hope or see hope or see hopeful living, mm. they feel something divine. I think it, it connects us to God in a way that we can't even explain. We just know hope is alive. Ooh, that's, well, that's a lot. That's a lot to think about. That, that, that's, that's a whole different way of looking at things. Um, and, a beautiful way of looking at things. Where does this come from? You've been through a lot of trauma in your past. Uh, I, I'm guessing this is not just theoretical for you. This is something you've had to learn to live. Yeah, I think personal. So in this book, you know, one side of the book is stories. It's all just stories of places where I've sort of glimpsed hope in really often very dark backdrops. And I think that's, you know, I have a pretty rugged, determined hope that God is at work in this world because I've seen God in places where I would have assumed he was not. So maybe the back of brothels, I've done brothel chaplaincy in my life and seen some pretty dark things as I've traveled with victims of sex trafficking uh, in my own trauma of sexual abuse and my parents' trauma and their life of being rescued from sort of orphan status and foster care and all kinds of things. And then as I've journeyed with people, to this day, you know, to this present day. And I think there's something because hope is alive and it's like a witness that is in the present tense. I think stories are maybe some of the best ways I can capture that. But if you flip the book over on the other side is what I would call the framework of hope, which is building a life that hope could show up in. And where I got uh, the concept of this was going to an art gallery with a friend of mine and she's an artist and she has this artist friend that she really wanted to see. And we drove a fair ways out of our way to get there. And when we got there, the curator of the gallery had decided to do a display called the flip side. And what he had done is he had turned every piece of art over in the gallery. So when you went through the entire museum, all you saw was the other side of art. And I don't know if you've seen the other side of art, 
uh, uh, Randy. Only Kandinsky. He painted both sides. Uh, right. But it's not very <laughs> impressive, right? It's it's like all everybody's backside of their art was the same. It was wood, you know, nailed together. Uh-huh. It was pretty ordinary canvas beige written on. There's a wire that hangs. And I actually, my friend was furious because she wanted to see the art. But my, <laughs> I was, I, I, <laughs> I was captivated because I was like, what is the other side of art? And what is, and so when I was thinking about hope and how to convey this, like, what is, we want, always want hope to be this glorious display that people can see, like artwork. And hope is like art uh, in that it's like the way it's expressed is different every time. The way it appears is different every time. Like we can't, you know, the way it looks in your life is going to be different than the way it looks in my life because our lives are different. But actually the other side of hope, the framework of our lives, which essential ideas of who God is and who we are and how we live in the life. Uh, and how we live our lives, that's the thing that actually hope could be displayed on. Mm. So the book uh, has a, a two has two sides. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's very interesting. I'm sitting here thinking about that, and I should be asking questions. But um, here, here's what I want to ask is, is you could easily go to a place, as many people do, of cynicism, of despair, whether it's over your own circumstances or those that you've tried to help, you know? Um, I'm guessing that, that the, the hope that you've described is, is much of what combats that tendency. Um, is, there, is, am I, is this a little bit of a theme of what you're addressing? Yes, and also this surprising understanding and revelation that I find hope in that uh, sorrowful grief. <laughs> um, you know, like the psalmist says, like I now understand that, like I can't go anywhere mm. without you being present. And what I think sometimes we've done in our culture because we've convinced ourselves that hope is happy mm. and it, it's pr- predicated on circumstances being good, we've avoided. Uh, the dark side of our lives, even internally of our own shadow lives, but also of the world. And when we're in this season that we're in, where that can no longer be ignored, yeah. that that pain, that sorrow, that that turns into cynicism and despair is like literally, it's like bubbling up out of the surface of our lives. And we can no longer, no matter how hard we try, we cannot keep it at bay. And so in this, in this season, I feel like we've been ill-equipped because our hope hasn't been built on the eternal reality that it is. And so because our hope is happy, we're like, oh no. So it's so easy for us to just go to cynicism and cynicism of course leads us to despair. That's the way there. And part of my idea in this book is as someone who has uh, seen and glimpsed and lived in and with people who come from that you know, underbelly of, uh, of sorrow um, I can attest, hey, it's okay, guys. You don't have to be so afraid to get honest and get real because in the midst of this guck is God. And God is at work in this world, even in places where we would at least expect to find him. That's um, that's hard for a lot of people to see. It's been hard for me to see at times. Uh, but looking back, I I, I can see it. Um, that's an interesting thing. So I've, I've been to... Brothels uh, with you know undercover cameras and things like that. Uh, we've we've done work in with sex trafficking. Um, that's a hard one, uh, especially as a guy, because when you walk in, 
they, you know, that it's 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 a tough one. I've, I was in a village uh, in Cambodia many years ago. We were drilling, we were getting ready to drill a water well in their village. And so we were doing some kind of before stories so we could show the before and after. And ran into a girl whose uh, sister had gone to take a job and been given a cell phone mm-hmm. and they hadn't heard from her since. Well, she was trafficked. We all knew that because we'd worked yeah. in that too. Um, some of those situations, because, you know, we left there. I didn't do anything to help that, that woman's sister, a young girl's sister. You know, yeah, we're mm-hmm. going to drill our water well for her village, which was great for her kids. But I had nothing to offer. And there is a sense of helplessness in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I, I hear you, but it's hard sometimes to see the hope when you know that you can't help or they're beyond your reach. I mean, they're not beyond God's. I know that. But that's a that's a tough one. How do you deal with that when you when you're in these situations where there's some that you help and you see hope for them, but there's others that slip through that you just don't see again? Yeah, Randy, I think you said something there that I think is really important to point out, and that is like my hope is not in me. Mm. I got to the end of myself pretty quickly doing this work. I bet. <laughs> I can't do it. I don't have it. Uh, that itself, you know, that's a, a chapter in one of the theory side called the Hercules myth, which is this myth we've all uh, bought into and in sort of Western Christian frameworks that we're better than, different from, greater than, and we're all on this path of ascension to prove just how amazing we are. <laughs> and that uh, the words of Jesus, of course, Jesus is on a different trajectory. He's descending the kenosis, the self-emptying love, the giving of himself over. Mm. Um, and even so much when you look at the cross, I mean, now we look at the cross and we see hope, but to look at the cross in present tense, I mean, where's the hope? Yeah, it's despairing. I mean, it's, it's so despairing. I think we don't even like, you know, images of the crucifixion in our Protestant churches because we're just like, he's not on there anymore. Like we just can't, <laughs> we can't deal with it. But the hope is the eternal presence of God at work in this world. The hope is to have eyes to see how Jesus saw. When later on in Hebrews, it says that it was for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. It wasn't even a tragedy to him. It was a strategy. What does self-giving love actually look like? How do I pour myself out? And how do I see God at work in these circumstances and in this despair? You remember Jesus said the way to the kingdom, the Beatitudes, the central core teachings of Jesus, the first blessing. Do you remember what it was? Uh, Poor in spirit, is it not? Yeah. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those. So literally the way into the kingdom of God is through this emptying of ourselves, through this like, I got to get to the end of myself. And I think part of what's happening in this exposing of cynicism and despair in our culture, like it's literally a pet, like it's a, it's a horrible um, despair is an actual social phenomenon that we're experiencing, especially next gen. Yeah. And I would say the part of the reason we're experiencing that is actually it could be an invitation to actually getting to the end of ourselves uh-huh. and this myth of human progress that has perpetuated this idea that we're the hope. So we say God's our hope, but what we mean is we're our best hope. And if we can't do it and we can't see ourselves doing it, and if we can't, then we lose hope. But who are we really hoping in in that situation? Wow. Uh, I... I sense that you are very, very right. And even you mentioned, you just said in passing that the, the, the cross wasn't 
a tragedy but a strategy mm-hmm. and, and and even that is that makes me go hang on uh but i but i know you're right and when we yeah it, the older i've gotten because i won't get into all the background but there's a lot of herculean theology in my background let's just say <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? um mm-hmm. and th- but the older i get the more i see that the surrender the less of me more of you is what god wants in my life i don't know that i've completely ported that to my witness if you will because mm-hmm. it's almost like i have to privately empty myself so that i can publicly look have all the answers for everyone else. right Right. And that's not consistent. That 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 seems to be fighting against itself. And so the idea- I actually I have a similar I have a similar history of well, I think all of us do. Every Christian leader, every leader probably you meet is still on a trajectory of ascension because it's how we measure our success, it's how we measure our worth. And then I think it's where we put our hope. Um, and I was in a, a movie theater with my husband. I write about this in the book and I was watching Hercules with Dwayne Johnson, you know, that remake of the story. And, 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 and in the story, Hercules is really just a man, but he's a super, you know, he's Dwayne Johnson. He's like godlike man. Yeah. And if ever, I always say if ever there was a godlike man, it might be him. But, um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he, uh, in the, in the, the myth to keep up this myth, to get lucrative jobs, he has a secret team. And the secret team comes in and helps him fight these battles. But then when he when he emerges, he's the lone victor, you know, the great and mighty Hercules. Mm-hmm. And there's in this um, this scene in the movie where he gets cut in the shoulder and the captain of his secret team comes over through the battle and takes his takes gets off his horse and he takes his coat, his red cape, and he covers his wound and he whispers in his ear, never let them see you bleed. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching this movie with my husband and the movie just goes blank in my mind, like I have this full on vision, the movie goes blank and on the screen is Jesus crucified and bleeding everywhere. Wow. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you can lead like Hercules or you could lead like Jesus, Oh wow. but you can't lead like both. <laughs> You're going to have to choose which trajectory of leadership you want to lead with. And I, I mean, if I'm honest, I want to lead like Hercules. Of course, it's everything I've been taught. It's everything I know. It's everything in my own internal dialogue that I want to be true. I want to be better than, I want to be different from, I want to be greater than. Um, and then we've Christianized all this and made it like a measure of our success. So it gets even more complicated. But at the end of the day, if I really am a follower of Jesus and Jesus is my hope and my living hope, that hope is eternal. It's living. It's not something I principle and put in my life. It's a person I'm with, a, a person I follow. Uh, mm. It's the presence of God in my life. Then that entryway of self-emptying, that surrender, that poor in spirit, that I can't door that I have to crawl through, <laughs> uh, gets me to a place where I can put my hope in someone far better than me. That's well, there's some depth there. I had no idea I was getting in for this deep of a conversation with you, and I appreciate it. I thank, thank you for it. Um, that is uh, not that is not how we typically measure success in the church. Mm-hmm. I know there are some who, who, who would come close to that or would want to be there, but let's be honest. I, <laughs> you know, the pitches we get for guests on this program— um, are not from completely unknown people or someone who disciples 
five people out of their home. They're, they tend to be the pastors of the large churches, and I'm not down on them at all. But mm-hmm. we do have this, I mean, it's even been said to me, you know, how many how many people watched that interview you did yesterday? I'd be like, eh, you know, 1,200 on Facebook. It's around two, maybe 300 on YouTube, and then you add up some of the other ones. And, and over time, that'll increase, and it's been like, hmm, yeah, yeah, not, not a whole lot. And I'm like, come on, maybe... Yeah, Jesus spoke to thousands occasionally, but he also really had a core of 12. So I think that's a decent model. I just, sometimes I think we measure success in the world's ways, even when we claim to be not of the world. And what I'm hearing, and mm-hmm. what I'm hearing anyway, and maybe it's just God speaking to me through you, is your measurements are not, they're not really sound. They're not my ways. Do we get a lot of that, you think? Just measuring things wrong? Absolutely. I mean, I do all the time. And even when I'm intentional about it, I still slip into it, you know? Um, I mean, even at the end, do you remember when Peter is being restored because of his love for Jesus, not because of his success? Uh, Actually, right after a failure, Jesus is like, do you love me? Then why don't you just do what I ask you to do? Like, do you love me? Do you love me? As though Jesus values a relationship over function. Who would have thunk? And even in the midst of that, he slips into this, but what about that guy? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Jesus is like, what is that to you? Right. Like, we're not measuring each other against each other. This is not our journey is with Jesus and faithfulness and obedience and relationship and love. Those are the things we measure and the things that matter to God. And he, I mean, he couldn't get clearer about this. It's us that get confused. And one of the things I think, I have this hunch in the book as well, that cynicism, which is really um, the belief that people are operating out of self-interest which is really like the the loss of hope in other people. That's what cynicism is. And that loss of hope in other people, I think is deeply rooted in the loss of hope of ourselves. Hmm. And I think there's, I don't want to go deeper because we don't have that long, but the, the connection between the Hercules Ascension myth, which is not true, even though we pretend it is, actually is, is deeply, deeply embeds this despair of our, our own selves, not being enough, not being good enough, not being who we say, not being who we're pretending to be. And that cynicism that's deeply rooted inside of ourselves is actually projected then on everybody else as well. So then everybody's a fake, nobody's who they say, Mm. everybody's out for themselves. We're all, you know, and this breeds then eventually a loss of faith in systems and a loss of faith in everything else. And one of the remedies to the Hercules myth is to stop ascending is to to follow Jesus, to descend. One of the ways we find hope is to be honest, ruthlessly honest internally and externally about what we can't do and who God is in his work in the world. And then also, I think there's some kind of relief in it. There's a relief of this internal pressure and almost like a fatigue of pretending um, that I think could alleviate so much cynicism in our lives. Because what if we were just people trying to do our best? <laughs> what if it was okay that we didn't have it all the time? What if it was okay that we're not on an upward trajectory track? What if it's okay that actually we're just trying to love God well and love some people well? What if that uh, relief of that pressure could allow us then to let other people be who they really are? And then our hope might even be right-sized instead of these like grandiose uh, pictures of these movie-like-esque pictures of what hope looks like in real life. 
let me let me ask one question um, to make sure I'm not misunderstanding one aspect, which is you talk about an upward trajectory, and I get that in this the Herculean story, you know the the hero's arc, if you will, in writing. Um, but yet, in the in in the core to Christianity is conformity to Christ. And so, yes, we love as Christ loved, which was to love the sinner no matter where they're at, but yet not embrace the sin or excuse the sin. It's the go and sin no more part of that. Um, as we conform to Christ is, I, 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 I'm guessing that you don't want anyone to, to confuse the two, to say, because I, I always consider conforming to Christ as an upward tra- trajectory in a sense. In other words, that's, that's I want to be closer mm. to God. I mean, you know, less. So how do we let people be who they are, conform to Christ ourselves, uh, and, and keep all those things in, in the right sort of balance? Because I, I think you hear me. On one extreme, we've got the superhero thing, but the other one, we've almost got this completely weak, oh, well, um, everything's fine and I don't hear you saying either one of those yeah I think it's a fascinating thing that even the idea of like we're trying to be like Christ being this like upward um kind of trajectory because I actually think Jesus reversed that so we don't have to do that anymore so actually uh, underneath us like so underneath the worst of us underneath our worst sin is actually this like layer of God's presence and sacredness and goodness that we can. Does that require rebirth? Because would that be a, would that apply to those who are not born again? I think like if you go into a, I I think that's why I'm saying like things like hope when you see the presence of God at work in the place where you thought there would be an absence of God, that you glimpse something. Mm. And I think what I would say is that what you're tasting, what you're glimpsing, what you're touching is God and that you might not fully understand that my job is to help you name what it is that you're experiencing touching. That's like an evangelist job, right? Mm -hmm. Is to say, you know, that time, you know why that matters when your baby's born and you're bawling your head off and you don't really know why, but you've just never seen anything so beautiful before in your life. That's the goodness of God, right? Isn't that uh, C.S. Lewis who said every time a baby's born, the gospels preach. (laughs) Um, And I think hope is like that too, very similar to that. So I think there's, there are these, these sacred things that happen that people can't name. They don't know what they are, but there is a relief. So I would say that salvation is both this like ascending, but it's also both this descending, you know, that end of yourself. So like you think about that Les Miserables uh, scene where Jean Valjean is like at the worst, I'm the monster that I never wanted to be. I hated this person. And right there is God. That's where God is. And that I, I guess that's kind of what I'm saying too, is that we've spent so much time going, yeah, you are, you're a miserable prisoner monster and you're worthy of punishment, but right. at, it's at that place where God shows up. Yeah. And I think, you know, my job, my hopeful job as a hopeful, uh, as a witness of hope, or as Paul might say, a prisoner of hope is to say to people, oh yes, good. I see where you are. God's right here. Yeah. Um, and this is the relief that you're looking for. Very very interesting and i'm gonna have to chew on this a little more <laughs> that's a good thing well there's a whole book there's a whole book right <laughs> there's so. a whole book. all right well let's show people the book it's the other side of hope uh and yeah i'm guessing that this is one of those 
that uh, you're not just going to skim over, but you're going to go back and reread uh, because this is this is very thought provoking and I think in a positive way. Um, I love these conversations. I won't. Mm. I'm not going to sit here and just nod and smile and go, "Oh yeah, that's right. I get it. I get it." Because I'm not, I have to chew on this for a while. I can't just swallow mm-hmm. meat like this whole. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I would encourage anybody out there watching, uh, chew, chew on some of this for a while. I want to give you the last word. Uh, and if you want to tell people, um, I do have your website, by the way, that I'll, I want to show people. If you want to tell anybody else what's going on out there, you have a podcast and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, other resources and things you're doing. Anybody that wants to kind of follow you, um, I want to give you the opportunity to let them know what's going on. But you, you say whatever you want to say. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of stuff going on. I'm like a serial entrepreneur. I can't stop uh, participating with uh, God and some beautiful things. So there's lots of like if if the uh, the downward, um, the dissension, the, the way down is the way that you want to enter Christ, you want to go deeper. There's a course uh, that I have helped put together called The Creative Way Down that is a deep dive into the Beatitudes and is complete with like practices that you can do to really like go deeper in your own life and identity. So if that's useful to people, that's there. Of course, the other side of hope, there's a lot of stories. I find, you know, this is Jesus' favorite communication style, and I think we don't do it enough. Mm. So I just tell as many stories as I can of where I've, I've witnessed um, the living hope. Uh, and there's there's a day of prayer, a half day of prayer that people are invited to. It's free as well. If you want to come to a guided half day of prayer once a month, that happens. Anyway, there's there's lots. It's all on the website. So there's a, a variety of things. I don't want to bore people, but you can yeah. just uh, click yeah, away and yeah, discover yeah. something that might help. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you walking through them. You can walk them through it better than I can. So I appreciate it. Daniel, thank you for the very, like I said, about five times, thought-provoking conversation. Uh, there's some real depth here, and I, I think it's worth I think it's worth meditating on a little bit. This, if we're honest, we can spit polish the Beatitudes and make them this nice, happy sermon. They're still hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so I think they're worthy of some serious thought and meditation and emptying our own head and saying, Lord, you fill me with what you're really trying to communicate here. And it's yeah. uh, it's transformational. And it's an ongoing thing. So if you're in the middle of that transformation, it's, it's all good. Keep keep transforming, keep conforming to Christ. And, uh, eh, you know, grace will cover the rest. Thanks again, Daniel. I appreciate you. You got it, Randy. Hope it helps. I <laughs> uh, hadn't made things worse. Is that is that a hopeful thing to say? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been good. Been very, very good. I really do appreciate it. I appreciate you guys out there watching. Uh, again, hit subscribe, share, follow, like, all those fun things. And come back. We've got more for you here on Life Today Live. We'll see you again next time. He has given us the will to choose to come, to choose to bend our neck, to choose to bend our neck, and to choose to learn. Nobody can prevent you from doing the will of God.